Tonight, we pay tribute to one of the most charismatic, legendary wrestlers of all time. We pay tribute to a former three-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, a man who defeated men like Harley Race and Ric Flair for those championships. We pay tribute to a man who was part of the inaugural class of the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, the NWA Hall of Fame, class of 2011, the WCW Hall of Fame, class of 1995, and the WWE Hall of Fame, class of 2007. Tonight, on this special Wrestling Outsiders podcast, we pay tribute to the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked in a job 30 years, 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, Daddy. That's hard times. If you looked at Dusty Rhodes, you would think, oh my goodness, TV and then he started to do his thing. His thing was better than everybody else's. And he was figuring he sent the rest of the world on fire. Mr. Soul, Mr. Charisma, Mr. Dusty Rhodes. Dusty could really do it all. You talk about somebody that uh, was a great in-ring performer. Dusty surpassed that with his attitude and his style and his interviews. I don't know if there was anybody ever any better at doing interviews than the American Dream Dusty Rose. The greatest sports attraction in the world today. The most plumbers fun who come out of the ditch at eight years old and became so sweet. I think everybody knows about Dusty Rose. He's got the greatest promos of all time, baby. I have wine and dine with Jesus. I love Dusty Rose. Amazing. Dusty Rhodes has just done it. Dusty Rhodes has just done it. The common man, truly one of the people I enjoyed watching. Remember, I have been to the mountaintop, and it will take a hell of a man to knock me off. Dusty emerged as the, you know, the poor man's champion, American dream. And the fans could really relate to him, really gravitate to him. Welcome 
to the very special Wrestling Outsiders podcast. As mentioned earlier, tonight we pay tribute to the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, who passed away just yesterday. I am Emerson Whitner. I am joined on the line, as always, by my co-host and my brother, Brian Whitner. Brian, how are you doing this evening? Uh, okay, for now. So, Dusty... Definitely what was still that? in shock and disbelief. I said definitely still in shock and disbelief about the death of Dusty Rhodes all of a sudden. So, um, one of you want to talk about a little bit of irony. One of Dusty Rhodes' heroes was the late great John Wayne, who died, ironically enough. Um, on June 11th as well, June 11th, 1979. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I just thought that was a a fun little note. Um, if you're out there listening, and I know we get most of our uh, uh, listens on demand, and not a whole lot of people listen to us live, but if you're out there listening... And you do want to take part tonight, and you want to call in with your memories and your thoughts on the American Dream, give us a call, 718-766-4886. If you're on the Blog Talk Radio site, it's actually written, like, right there on the site as we're doing this. And, uh, Brian, when you texted me, I was actually at the supermarket. To tell me that yeah. Dusty had passed away. Yes. Um, well, I guess to start things off, what were your thoughts on Dusty overall? Uh, he was definitely one of the true legends. Um, he definitely wasn't built like a wrestler, like what a, someone would think a wrestler would be built like. I mean, the man was 280 pounds of not much muscle, but... He he controlled the mic like no other person could. So I mean, that's I think that one of the reasons why he had a job as a wrestler for so long, and also he had like his many other positions as a booker, as a writer, as uh, an announcer, an, an announcer, an NXT. He was down NXT training the guys, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's just yeah, and just the respect. Um, so tonight. His, his career, so. So tonight, um, we're going to go through here. We're going to be here for about an hour or so tonight. And um, in addition to, uh, you know, obviously we just went back and we watched a whole bunch of Dusty Rhodes matches um, and an angle or two. I've got a whole bunch of interviews of Dusty's. I've got, no, I've got some tributes. And we're just going to have some fun tonight. And... Uh, We'll still be back. Uh, We are scheduled to be back Sunday night, still with Money in the Bank. Uh, Next Wednesday, uh, we're not going to be doing King of the Ring 94. Um, I spoke with Art O'Donnell a few days ago, or actually yesterday. Uh, It's just going to be Brian and I this Wednesday uh, doing Stargate 85, which I think might have been the pinnacle of Dusty Rhodes as a booker, at least in Mid-Atlantic. So, that's what we get to look forward to this Wednesday night. 
Uh, so, Brian, I sent you a, a list of matches to watch. Um, and you did get through all of them. You watched them all. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't quite get the, uh, the when Four Horsemen broke Dusty's arm and the my, like I said, my uh, eight man tag from TNA was a little iffy. So, uh-huh. yeah, for the most part. Well, most we're gonna part, go through well. here, um, and I'm gonna be kind of all over the place. Because what um, I figured we'd do is we'd go in the order in which they happened. Start way back in 1975 and work our way up to 2003. Uh, Nice spanning over 28 years of a very, very long career. Um, And we're going to start going back to the AWA 1975 with Dirty Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch versus the Bruiser and the Crusher. Now, um, I'm not sure if this was on ESPN Classic. I'm not sure if it was on one of those AWA Classic pay-per-views. But uh, this was a ta- this was no, this was obviously taped in 1975. But this was commentated on decades after the fact. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, I mean, I, I knew there wasn't much of a match here when the video you sent me was about eight minutes long, and the opening interview with uh, the Crusher and the Bruiser took about half of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Bruiser and the Crusher, um, the video started with them cutting a promo, pissed about losing the tag team titles recently, and they said they don't care what they have to do to win them back or where they have to go. In fact, they vowed to fight each other if it meant they got to win the tag team titles. And then they began fighting each other. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> and the beer tasted a little bad. So it might have been, the Rockies might not have been as blue as what they should have been. Yes. Well, it was Minneapolis. Uh, yeah. So what can you do, right? Yeah. So <laughs> we get to the match, and it was just a crazy, out-of-control, four-minute brawl. I don't know where they were, but these people in the audience, you would have thought, like, the Bruiser and the Crusher were, like, all of their fathers or something. Just the way they all reacted to them and just went batshit nuts for these two. (laughs) I don't even think there was a finish to this match. I think the referee at one point just threw it out, uh, and there was a second referee in there to break it up. Uh, the was heels, which were Rhodes and Murdoch, went running to the back. But uh, one thing I love about this match is Dusty. He was about he was about two sixty, two seventy at this point, and he was moving. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Like he he was. I gotta admit, his movements uh, were a little bit more feminine than they would eventually become, but. Uh, other than that, like, man, he was flying in that ring. Like, if you ever want to see Dusty take obscenely stupid bumps that you'd never expect Dusty Rhodes to take, this is the match to go see. Uh, Vern Gagne was doing commentary and just ignoring the match, basically. Uh, I think he was doing commentary with Greg Gagne, but I'm not sure. And, yeah. yeah. It's say who was commentating uh, what did you think of it? Like you said, this is a classic brawl. Um, Dusty moves pretty good in the ring, but 
I, I, I don't, besides, besides the being up for all, that, I don't even think the bell rang, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, I, I could be wrong. I think the bell rang to start the match. Just I don't think it ever rang to end the match. Uh, you never know. <laughs> all right. So we go from there to Madison Square Garden, 1978, the Texas Bull Rope match. We don't have an exact date, just that we know it was after Billy Graham lost the title because he was introduced as the former WWF champion, and he lost to Backland in uh, February of 78. Um, so this was a Texas Bull Rope match, Dusty and Superstar Billy Graham. Daddy. And I love this match. Really? Yes. Uh, special guest referee, by the way, was Chief J. Strongbow. And this, like, it was short, but it was just a nice, violent match. Uh, the, the, the rules were kind of stupid at the end. The rule was you could win by either pinfall, submission, or by a standing eight count. Not a ten count, an eight count. Well, she's straight from Oklahoma County, maybe. You never know. Well, uh, now I don't know if that was you being racist or just what there. No, nope, implying that the chief. So the uh, Graham at one point to start the match, he wasn't willing to put the bull rope on, so Dusty walked up to him and hit him in the head with the bell and put it on for him. <laughs> um. Superstar took quite the beating in this match, and actually I was expecting, you know, looking back with 2015 eyes, since he got his butt kicked for uh, 95% of the matches, expecting him to come back and win, but alas, he didn't. Um, he took quite the beating, and the fans loved watching this cocky, despicable heel finally get his. Um, with the the finish at the Yes. The finish at the end, Strongbow, as referee, like... He overstepped his boundaries, um, and when Graham was uh, beating on Rhodes in the corner, Strongbow pulled him away, and Dust it gave Dusty time to get up and knock Graham the bleep out with the cowbell for the eight count. What'd you although think? This one, although, I, I, between the two the two bull rope matches that we that we will review tonight. This one was probably the better of the two because it was Dusty back in the day, not Dusty 22 layers after this match. So, yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know. That uh, match with Carino. Did you watch yeah. the entire first 30 minutes of the show or just that match no, with uh, Carino? No, I watched yeah, the that, first 30 minutes of the show. That's good. That's what I did, too. And we'll get to that. Uh, in a while from here, but um, while we're at it here, we're coming up on Starcade 84, which was the $1 million challenge, Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes for the NWA title, Joe Frazier's the referee. This is not the more famous Starcade with Flair and Dusty. That was Starcade 85, but um, and this match also was not very good and not very long. Um, yeah. They had ju- they had judges, uh, Duke Kiyomuda, Kyle Petty of all people, and referee Joe Frazier, who were to determine the winner in case it goes to a draw, 
um, or some sort of double DQ or whatnot. Um, and the whole point, you know, this match really had a was screwy, and the whole point to it was Frazier had agreed to come in and do an angle with Dusty and do a match, uh, but later after this angle was shot, he backed out of doing the match. Um, Dusty uh, did get a mix. What was that? I said that 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 bastard. Yeah, I know. Um, Dusty got a mixed reaction, but the fans were busting their nut when Flair came out. Um, gotta say, uh, the announcers were really laying on the bullshit kind of thick in this one. Um, Gordon okay. Sully noted that Dusty gained, you know, a good chunk of pounds, probably about 20, 30 pounds. And he noted that the added fat was really because he was lifting more. Um, and he's still just as fast and just as light on his feet, uh, which, you know, was complete BS. Yeah. Um, Dusty took... Uh, Dusty took the vast majority of the match. Flair got in very little, and uh, the finish saw Flair drop Dusty outside of the metal barricade, um, so Dusty started bleeding. He gets in the ring and starts going after Flair, but Joe Frazier keeps pulling him away to check on his eye. And after maybe five or six checks, Joe Frazier stops the match on the count of blood and awards it to Flair, much to the anger and vitriol of everyone who paid money to go see that show. Yeah. I'm a jack, too. What were your thoughts on this one, Brian? Like you said, it was way too short of a match, especially for, like, the main pay-per-view of the NWA and WCW. Yep. Match was way too short. Like, it may have should at least go 20 minutes. This went, what, 20? This match, I think, went 10. 10? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so... All righty, so... Let's play some. Let's play a Dusty promo. Might as well play right. the most. What was that? That's it. Okay. All right. So I might as well play. I took this off of my audio board, and now I had to put it back on. It's Brian's favorite thing to, for me to play. Let's go do it now. Yeah. All right. Welcome to Americana Butcher Shop. We don't sell no soda pop. But if you're looking for good beef, this is the place to stop. Ernest, come on over here. We're going to take you in the treasure chest of beef right here and show you what it's all about here at Americana. Come on in here now, Ernest. Oh, man, and look at that nice piece of veal hanging up there. Ernest, tell him, folks, about this veal right here. Nice. Oh, leg of veal. Yeah. Leg of veal. And what is this two-legged creature right here? We know That's what that nice is. Nice leg of lamb. Leg of lamb. I love leg of lamb. What we got right here, them old rump roasts and That's everything. That's a nice rump roast. Ooh, and we know what this is right That's here. This is bologna. This is bologna, and we are full of it today. Yeah, come on over here. We're going to make some Americana right here, ground up beef. Look here. Stick it right in there. Get that thing working down in there. Now, look down on the other end here. And you will see some of the finest Americana ground beef in the country right there. Woo-wee! That looks so good. Let me tell you something now. I'm going to tell you one time. You cannot beat my price. Hmm. 
but you sure can't beat my music. Hey, I'm you. Uh, I know you missed that one, Brian. I did. Aren't you? Yes. Aren't you? And the look on Dusty's face. Oh, God. TV title match, NWA Pro Wrestling, September 9th, 1986. Dusty Rhodes challenging Arn Anderson with Earl Hebner as the referee. I didn't notice that, really? Yep. Um, this was, um, I don't know what, because I had the WWE watermark in the corner. So this was on some WWE DVD release, probably either the Dusty Rhodes DVD itself or the Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen DVD, um, but not sure which. I did love, I don't know if you noticed this or not, the people in the front row did not give two shits about this match, but you could see and hear the rest of the crowd going absolute nuts. I didn't see, I, yeah, I, I, I was kind of paying attention, but not really. Uh-huh. You're not paying attention to a match with Arn Anderson and Dusty Rhodes, Brian? I told you I was, but I wasn't. You told me what? I told you I was, but I wasn't paying attention, so I kind of was, but I kind of wasn't. Uh-huh. All righty. Uh, personally, I thought this match... Uh, helped show the problem that we've had with belts for the last 20 years. At this point, it's 1986. Dusty Rhodes is a three-time world heavyweight champion. He's a multiple-time United States champion. But no one looked at it as Dusty being too good for the TV title or that he's lowering himself to wrestle for the TV title. It was like, oh, my God, I want to be television champion. And... You know, he put his efforts into becoming TV champion and to make it a big deal. As he should. Yeah. Uh, the match uh, the match was, you know, kind of basic but still fun. Arn worked on Dusty's leg, uh, so the 300-pounder limped throughout the match. Uh, at one point, Dusty got a near fall off a clothesline, but when Arn kicked out, Dusty landed on Earl. Um, Arn went for a clothesline, Dusty ducked it, and Arn collided with Earl Hebner, who went flying. Arn ran in with a chair, but he ended up getting DDT'd on it. Um, Hebner rolled in, uh, made the count, the three, and gave Dusty the title win. And I could be wrong, but I'm thinking that had to have been a Dusty finish because it just seemed like the way the whole thing was set up, that it was set up for... uh, Someone to come down and change the uh, decision. Possibly, possibly. You never know, though. Well, you never know, but who knows? But uh, let's see here. Also, with that, um, after the match, he cuts a promo uh, with the ring, with the announcers at ringside, and it sounded like he yelled, "You took away my leg. You took away my bra." Turns out what he said was he took away his broad. Broad. Yes. They did not take his bra, Brian. Thank God for that. (laughs) And actually it turns out, and I looked it up, um, there was not a dusty finish. He did actually win the belt and uh, keep it. Go figure. You were wrong. I know. 
Um, and then he went on to lose it to Tully Blanchard at uh, Starcade. Alrighty, so that leads us uh, a month later, October 28th, the day before my second birthday. We get a weird match. We get a six-man cage match with with Dusty Rhodes and the Rock and Roll Express versus Ric Flair, Arn, and Ole Anderson. And what helped make it weird? Yes, Ole Anderson. What helped make it weird was that the video we have uh, had Japanese commentary on it. And I don't know what you thought, Brian, but I still thought the commentary was better than Michael Cole, Booker T, and JBL. Yeah, yeah. Even even when you replace Booker T with uh, Byron Saxton, like they did on Raw, still not quite as good. (laughs) Not even close, actually. Um, this was basically, you know, a house show match in a cage. It did have great heat. And, you know, Ricky and Robert, just, you know, the girls go crazy for those two. Um, and it's so easy to get heat on uh, Ricky Morton. Uh, nobody really juiced until the end when Flair started blading himself on front of the camera. And it started as literally a six-man tag in a cage with everyone waiting in the corners for their tag. But it, of course, broke down to a six-way brawl. And we didn't see how he did it, but uh, Dusty Rhodes did pin Ole Anderson to win the match. Mm. Your thoughts, Brian? Like you said, the typical six-man brawl in a cage. So, yeah. All righty. Let's. Let's go to perhaps the most famous uh, Dusty Rhodes promo of all time. If it plays. Ladies and gentlemen, you all know that Dusty Rhodes has been injured. Well, we want to welcome back tonight Dusty Rhodes for his first interview since his injury. Here is the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. And Dusty, your fans welcome you back, man. First of all, I would like to thank the many, many fans throughout this country that wrote cards and letters Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, while I was down. Secondly, I want to thank Jim Crockett Promotions for waiting and taking the time because I know how important it was. Starcade 85, it is to the wrestling fans, it is to Jim Crockett Promotions. And Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, with that weight, got what I wanted. Ric Flair, the world's heavyweight champion. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Ric Flair. No respect, no honor. There is no honor among these in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work and got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years, 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard times. That's hard times. And Rick Flair, you put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. 
That's hard time. And we all had hard times together. I admit I don't look like the athlete of the day supposed to look. My belly is just a little big. My hand is just a little big. But brother, I am bad and they know I'm bad. And there were two bad people. One was John Wayne and he's dead, brother. And the other one's right here. Nature Boy Ric Flair. The world's heavyweight title belongs to these people. I'm going to reach out right now. I want you at home to know my hand is touching your hand for this gathering of the biggest body of people in this country, in this universe, all over the world now. Reach it out because the love that was given me in this time, I will repay you now because I will be the next world's heavyweight champion on this hard time blues. Dusty Rhodes Tour 85 and Ric Flair, Nature Boy. Let me leave you with this. One way to hurt Ric Flair is to take what he cherishes more than anything in the world. That's the world's heavyweight title. I'm going to take it. I've been there twice. This time when I take it, Daddy, I'm going to take it for you. Let's gather for it. Don't let me down now, because I came back for you, for that man up there that died 10, 12 years ago and never got the opportunity to see a real wolf champion. And I'm proud of you and thank God I have you. And I love you. Love you! The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes fan. I have listened to that promo so many times that yesterday yeah. I literally sat down in front of my computer and I didn't play the promo beforehand. I literally sat down on my computer, went to Facebook, and I just started typing it out word for word. And, you know, I probably missed a word here or a word there, but I hit a nearly four-minute promo pretty much on the head. And meanwhile... If you were to ask me what happened on Raw last week, this past Monday night, I would have to sit here and think about it for a minute before telling you much of anything. So so we fast forward from 1986 to 1994. It's the Raw Games, Brian. Dusty Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, Brian Nobbs, Jerry Sachs versus Arn Anderson, Bunkhouse Buck, Terry Funk, and Colonel Robert Parker. Now, Brian, I want you to say, I want you to say Bunkhouse Buck and Terry Funk five times as fast as you can. Bunkhouse Buck and wow, I see I already messed it up. There, I can't. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, too bad I don't have my uh, beep uh, here, my sensor beep. Uh, I can just keep playing. Uh, now, there's a lot of people out there who are okay with TNA when they've done Lethal Lockdown, their version of War Games now for the last decade or so. But... Anybody who's actually watched a War Games match from WCW slash NWA knows it's not that hard to pull off 
and how TNA has always, always gotten it wrong, no matter what level of talent they've had. War Games is pretty easy to do. You start with yeah. a five-minute period, and in the five-minute period, the baby face shines. The heel gets a little bit of offense, but the baby face takes most of the first five minutes. You do... You do the coin toss, and this is the part that some that Vince Russo specifically may need to be reminded. When you do the coin toss, the heel team always wins. Yep. Even if it's a even if it's a running joke that JJ Dillon can call twenty five straight coin tosses in a row. That's the gimmick. And so the heel goes in to make it two on one, and here's the key. When the heel goes in and every time the heels have the advantage they immediately, immediately cut off the baby faces, and it's a two-on-one beatdown or three-on-two or four-on-three continual nonstop beatdown for two minutes. And then after two minutes, a baby face comes in to even the sides, and for two consecutive minutes, the baby faces now are on the advantage and now beat up all the heels. And then you repeat that throughout the match. It's the easiest thing to do, and TNA has always fucked it up, and WCW, and when you look at the people in this match, you had Dusty Rhodes, who was uh, 50, I think, at the time. Uh, you had Dustin, who uh, was green. You had the Nasty Boys, who aren't remembered as the greatest of workers. You had Colonel Robert Parker, who... It, like, yeah, he used to be a wrestler, but it had been so long since he'd regularly wrestled at this point. This was not uh-huh. the most star-studded war games of all time, is no. what I'm saying. Definitely and not. And it outshines anything that uh, TNA has ever done, basically. Yeah. Um, Funk, I mean, at one probably point... Probably not, it definitely wasn't the worst war games, but... No, no, they, they've had they've had worse. Um, 1998 was was much worse. Yeah. Um, uh, at one point, Terry Funk was pile driven in between the two rings, and he fell between them. So yes, Funk was that skinny that he could just easily fall between the two rings, and this was then proven when they tried to boot Jerry Sags through the hole, but Sags was too fat to fit. <laughs> Uh, The story of the match being that Colonel Robert Parker didn't want to get in the ring, and of course, as soon as he did, and then Dusty, when Dusty got in, the match was over at this point, because Dusty went in, beat the crap out of Parker, and put him in the figure four, while each of his teammates uh, dropped elbow after elbow on Rob until he finally gave up. And it did not take him that long to give up, Brian. No, no. It, it, I know, I it's okay to not overthink finishes, and, you know, this is proof of it. This is true. <sighs> then we go... Now, at this point, Dusty's career is basically over, and, you know, he's yeah. doing announcing and sometimes managing, and sometimes, sporadically, he would get one well-promoted match, and you know, make the company a little bit of money. And yeah. then we get the most then we get the most random tag team match perhaps in WCW history. 
And saying tag team match might it, 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 it it's a stretch to call this a tag team match. But we go to yeah. Thunder, May fifteenth, nineteen ninety eight, where Dusty Rhodes and Kevin Nash defended the WCW tag team titles against Public Enemy. This there there's a story behind this. Uh and that is that Scott Hall was on was on one of his many trips to rehab at this time. And uh and so they turned it into a storyline where Bischoff and Hogan uh banned Scott Hall from live television. Um and this this match was for the World Tag Team titles and it was basically Kevin Nash versus Rocco Rock with special appearances by Dusty Rhodes and Johnny Grunge. And this match sucked. Something like that. Yeah. Um, Rock Rock, I must say, Public Enemy might be the most overrated tag team of all time. These two guys, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Rock Rock, uh, if you watched Kevin Nash matches, if you watched one Kevin Nash match, you know every move he's going to do. And so he does the move where he throws Rock into the corner, and then they're going to give him the big leaning boot in the corner. And he's done this in 5,000 matches. So he throws Rock into the corner and gets set to give him the big boot, except Rocco Rock is laying on the ground like he's going to take the Steve Austin mud hole stomping. (laughs) And so Kevin Nash, who had already started lifting up his leg, even though his opponent wasn't even there yet, had to put his leg back down, look down at his opponent, and be like, dude, what the hell, and lift him <laughs> up to put him in the position for it. Uh, the whole match went three minutes. Uh, the fans uh, went nuts when Dusty finally got involved. He pulled Johnny Grunge outside and gave him a bionic elbow. And in the ring, Nash dropped Rocco with the powerbomb, Dusty tagged in and won with an elbow drop. Speechless. I, I, I mean, like you said, the match went three minutes. I think the video went three minutes, and the actual match took like two. Now, the video was like eight minutes, but it was like mostly a Kevin Nash promo. But yes, D- Dusty Rhodes won a match in 1998 on Thunder. Uh, so we're going to finish up. with that. As the, That's the end of the 90s, Dusty Rhodes. We've been through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and we still have a decade to go, Brian. But before we get okay. there, yes, before we get there, we got to go back again to 1985 and go to the promo that Dusty cut after Starcade 85. There's with me right now, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Dusty, I saw you. Hi, ladies, you were. The champagne pain was flying around the room. You've got to be now the most disappointed person in the world, Dusty. You know, Bob, disappointment has uh, hung around Dusty Rhodes' life many, many years from the time I was a plumber's son in Austin, Texas, digging a ditch, wanted to be the American Dream, to be the greatest sports legend in this world. I became that. I have obtained the goals that many men only lay in bed and dream about night after night. I have wined and dined with kings and queens, and I've slept in alleys and dined on pork and beans. 
and Ric Flair. Slick Rick, the nature boy, if you will. The world's heavyweight champion, if you will. Tommy Young, a great referee, Ric Flair. Great referee. You mark this down in your book, Daddy. I thought that by winning the world title from Ric Flair, I would appease uh, the many fans throughout this country. But I see I just got to mess you up. That, that's the bottom line on this thing is to mess you up because I still walk around the house with a limp. I still, when I go out with my little children, walk around with a limp. When I climb in that ring, I have to make, uh, wear a special made boot on my foot because of Ric Flair, only an Iron Anderson. So now then, the world title picture is really confused because Penn Rick Flair was not only a, a work of beauty, a piece of beauty, but it was a long life hope admiration that this country is built on because we gather together for this one night, for this one event to see this thing. And Rick Flair, it's not over. It will never be over. I'm going to mess you up real bad. I'm going to mess you up like nobody. You say, I am the man, Rick Flair. Say, I'm the man. Well, I'm the legend. And let me tell you something, Rick Flair. There's a big difference between the legend and the man. And I want you to take a look and what will happen to you the next time you step in the ring with me? Because as we start to watch this thing, I am the legend. You are the man. And there's a mighty big difference between the two. You know how hard it was for me to find that promo? I, I'm sure it was pretty hard, actually. I actually had to hunt down, because I couldn't find it on YouTube, I couldn't find it on Daily Motion. So I literally had to hunt down that episode of NWA Worldwide and then edit it myself. Wait, you did some editing, uh, huh? I did a little bit of editing myself, Brian. <laughs> We've actually never did a WWF match. We did a WWF promo, but, you know, he's in the WWF. We did some WCW matches. We did some NWA matches. We did some AWA matches. And now we go to ECW. And not not yeah. even like the Vince McMahon ECW. No, 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 no. We're going to original ECW. We're going to Living Dangerously 2000 for a Texas Bull Rope match with the king of old school, Steve Carino. And now... Brian and I both wa- ended up watching the first 30 minutes because the, the Carino match I knew was first, and so I just turned yeah. on the show and just was like, I'll just watch from the beginning. Um, and so we saw the whole intro, including uh, Joel Gertner's lewd promo, including him fighting with Cyrus, and uh, Steve Carino started uh, his segment by cutting a promo mid-ring when you can suddenly hear Paul Heyman cutting a pre-tape promo. Gotta love yeah, production fuck-ups. Yeah, gotta love production fuck-ups, Brian. Can't, don't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. Carino called everyone in the crowd douchebags and called the Sandman's wife, Lori, who was in the audience, the biggest douchebag of them all. Uh, she was sitting in the crowd with her kids, including Tyler, who, if you don't recall, Tyler was the kid that... Uh, turned on Sandman, and joined Raven back in 1996. Uh, four years, sir, and, that boy, rather, rather quickly, huh? Oh, yeah, I mean, he was like, 
I think he was eight or nine at the time. So like now he's like twelve or thirteen. Um, and of course, Carino called her a whore and said that it wasn't just a storyline that she was sleeping with Raven. In fact, she slept with everybody in the ECW locker room. Uh, so Lori got pissed. By the way, her kids didn't seem to care that their mother was were called a whore on no, uh, national television. Uh, so Lori slapped Steve. Uh, Lori slapped Steve, and Steve pulled her over the guardrail into the ring, and then threatened to rape her while Jack Victory and Rhino held her. Yes, he pulled her into the ring and started taking off his pants. So Jack Victory this is not came up an awful lot the last couple of weeks, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, Sandman ran in. And to save his wife, and so he got immediately laid out uh, by the three of them. And then in an amazing sight, Rhino gored Lori through a conveniently placed table that was set up in the corner. Conveniently placed. Yes. Uh, And Sandman and Rhino's story was they were supposed to wrestle later on in a TV title tournament match. But uh, whatchamacallit, Sandman ended up going to the hospital with his wife. And so that match ended up not happening, or I know advancing by default. And spoiler alert, Brian, not that I'm sure you care, Super Crazy ended up beating him for the TV title. Gasp. I know. Uh, so this, so all the security comes out, et cetera, and they escort everyone to the back. And literally just as, they're, just as they got to the back, Carino then turns around and comes out for his match. Of course, conveniently enough. Yeah. Now, this is ECW, the place where, you know what, fuck WWF, fuck WCW, we're hardcore, we're gritty, we don't want any of these prima donnas down here. And, Brian, who do you think got the bigger reaction by the ECW faithful? Dusty Rhodes or Sid Vicious? Dusty Rhodes, if you do. Not not by a whole lot, because, you know, Sid was pretty fucking over. Yeah, yeah. It, it's actually hilarious, looking back, that Sid, the least extreme person perhaps ever, was the most over baby face in ECW. Sad. Very sad um, this match didn't even go ten minutes, Dusty Rhodes and Steve Carino, but it was just a bloody brawl all over the building. Um... Dustin Crino during this feud, they became good friends, so the Dream had no problem making Crino look like a million bucks uh, before the finish, uh, where Carino, the king of old school, the guy who doesn't do hardcore matches, he doesn't bleed. Yeah, he doesn't bleed, right? Um, he's, he's bleeding a bucket, and so Dusty uh, tapes the cowbell to Carino's head and then gives the cowbell the bionic elbow and it knocked out poor Steve, and Dusty picked up the win. No, he hit him with a chair, actually. Yeah, but he also gave him the elbow with the uh, cowbell. Yeah, but the way you made it sound like you made it sound like he hit he hit the he taped the bell to his head and then hit the bionic elbow on the uh, bell on the cowbell. He did. No, he didn't. Well, no, he didn't. He hit him with a chair on the on the cowbell. Uh, 
I'm and pretty he sure he elbowed the... Ah, he hits him with a chair where the bell was, and then he drops an elbow on him and Carino's on the ground. Uh-huh. Let's Remember, see here. The referee, We're gonna... the, referee was, the referee was fixing the bell on Carino's head, and uh, Dusty went out and got a chair. Let's see here. Well, while you're talking, I'm going to look this up. So start talking, I'm Brian. I'm, a, I'm actually washing a pan right now. You're washing a pan. Well, tell us about the pan that you're washing, Brian. Well, I, I made some hamburger helper this evening for the dinner. For the dinner, and uh, yeah, we're doing the finishing up it right now. Wow, what kind of hamburger helper? Cheeseburger macaroni, of course. Oh, what do you mean? Of course. I mean, you could have had beef stroganoff. You could have had uh, any of a hundred different kinds of hamburger helper. You could have had tuna helper, you know. could have had chicken helper. Yeah, but that's not hamburger helper. That's a brand of helper, but not hamburger helper. Have you ever been so poor you didn't have hamburgers, so you just had helper? No, I've never been that poor yet, but you never know. By the way, I should point out that Dusty flipped off the crowd, and actually both of us were wrong because he actually won with an elbow drop. But yeah, but before but that, he hit he hit Carino with a cowbell with a steel chair and the cowbell was attached. Is what I was saying. Let's see here. Okay, here we go. I think maybe. Yeah, I'm right. Don't worry. No, you're not. Let's see. Yeah, I swear, the Stodery Network feature says go back 10 seconds, and it goes back like 5 seconds. Yeah. Oh, I know. I deal with it all the time. Let's see. Okay, so H.C. Loke is uh, taping the bell to his head, and Dusty hits him with the elbow. Oh, there were technical difficulties. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe for once I was right and you were wrong. Woo-hoo! Speaking of technical difficulties, while we get these all straightened out, let's go to another Dusty Rhodes promo. Awesome. All right, from Sean Mooney and Vince and Roddy up at the broadcast booth, I gotta tell you this, SummerSlam, everything that it's cracked up to be with that great match we've just seen, and of course two title changes earlier on in the night. One of the saddest things I've seen, however, Dusty Rhodes, your walk down that tunnel here at the Spectrum, a very dejected and despondent man after what happened with Sapphire. What I call it, Gene, is emotion. This great sport in the World Wrestling Federation is built on emotion, Sapphire took the money. That's fine. I offered up my innocence to her. She paid me back and scorn. Now only America can give me shelter from the storm. I am in a storm, baby. And walk it out toward Jet Cadillac. Many thousands of fans were screaming, when you gonna get bad, Big Dust? When you gonna get mad, Big Dust? When you gonna get even, Big Dust? 
Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man, the man that can buy anything but Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, but the American way of life that lives in his heart. So Ted DiBiase, I'm getting bad, baby, and I'm coming for you. From the man Dusty Rhodes himself, now our broadcast colleague out on the arena floor, Lord Alfred Hayes. I am not Lord Alfred Hayes. Sapphire took his innocence, though, Emerson. What was that? I said Sapphire took his innocence. Yep. You know, Brian, I may not be Lord Alfred Hayes, but let me try to do my best Lord Alfred Hayes impersonation. Are you ready for it? Yep, go ahead. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. When you have a sore throat, a cough, or a stuffy nose, come to the halls of medicine. To feel better fast, use halls. For fast relief of acid indigestion, use 1,000 milligram strong extra strength Rolaids, the only antacid in an assortment of mint flavors. Yipe stripes, fruit stripe gum, Four fruity, juicy flavors. Share, dare, chew it, blow it. It's Yipe Stripes. Fruit Stripes regular and bubble gum. <clears throat> that was quite the impression of it, you say so myself. You did one stand-up job, Emerson. Yes, I'm, I'm a jam-up guy. <sighs> so we did uh, NWA, we did AWA, we did WCW, WWE, ECW, and yes, We've got a TNA match. January 15th, 2003, on a TNA pay-per-view, Dusty Rhodes, Jeff Jarrett, and the Legion of Doom versus Christopher <laughs> Daniels, Loki, Elix Skipper, and Vince Russo. <laughs> Emerson, what was, that, what was that pause for? For our old friend Vince, who Vince, who loves me so much uh, that instead of accepting the open invitation onto our show, he just blocked me on Twitter. Sorry, that bastard. He didn't block me, or he didn't block the podcast. I can still get on my page. Well, he's changed it now. It used to be at Pyro Ballyhoo. He's now at the Vince Russo. Because who the hell wants to pretend to be Vince Russo? Yeah. But anyway, uh, this match, did you watch any of this match at all? I, I barely listened to it. I got pissed off because I couldn't watch it. I just listened to it. I got pissed. Well, it's something wrong with your end because uh, it's up on YouTube, on TNA's YouTube page, and it worked just fine, to be honest. But... Well, uh, <laughs> What was that? Nothing, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so the, the crowd was dead for this the whole night. Um, and actually, I used to watch all these TNA pay-per-views. I was trying to watch them all and gave up after a year. But uh, this was the week after Jeff Jarrett, by himself, defeated all three members of Triple X, Daniels, Loki, and Skipper, all by himself. So, of course, the fans didn't buy them as any threat at all to the baby faces. Um, they beat up Animal for maybe five seconds, and then Animal decided to stop selling for the midgets. 
Um, and honestly, <laughs> I think he would have sold more had he actually been wrestling midgets. Elix Skipper at one point uh, got kicked right in the mouth uh, by Hawk. And this match was 95% baby faces. They got the heat on Elix Skipper. Now I know what you're going to say that the heels are the ones supposed to get the heat, but come on. Uh, Vince Russo, by the way, need Jeff Jarrett in the balls, which Jarrett no-sold, but was enough to let Triple X take over. Uh, Dusty eventually tagged in. He wanted Russo in the ring, but just as he did, Mr. Wrestling 4 ran in and hit Dusty with a chain. And thank God we didn't have Russo pinning Dusty, but Elix Skipper pinned him instead. And the fans just didn't give a shit. And Mike Tanay is busting his wad at this point. Uh, but Mr. Wrestling 4 took off his mask, and it was Nikita Koloff. And yes. nobody yeah, and nobody but Mike Tanay gave two shits. Of course not. It's Mike Tanay. Come on now. It's amazing how dead that crowd was. I can just imagine. Uh, I really can't. Now, did you watch uh, the horseman breaking Dusty's arm? I, I I saw it before, I think. So I didn't bother watching it. I'm pretty sure I saw it before. Well, let's see how good your memory is, Brian. Tell me what happened. God, I didn't rewatch it. I'm pretty sure I watched it. Wasn't it in wow. a chair or something? No, no, no. Uh, so, J.J. Dillon hired a cameraman, and he was in a car uh, looking out at the streets of Charlotte. Meanwhile, Arn and only Anderson and Tully Blanchard are in a different car, also watching for Dusty. Uh, Dusty finally drives by, and so uh, the three of them give chase, or the four of them give chase. And Dusty drove to uh, the offices of Jim Crockett Promotions, where they boxed him in. They all attacked him, and they crucified him almost to a lighting rig or uh, to actually a production truck. And then they hit his arm with a baseball bat. Now, they probably didn't even come close to actually touching Dusty because he used the magic of television to do a freeze frame every time they swung the bat, and all you heard was Dusty screaming. And then when they took off the freeze frame, they just digitized Dusty's arm. Uh, Poor Dusty. Poor Dusty. He got a broken arm by the horse, man. But, you know, it was a hardcore angle for 1986. Oh, hell yeah. You know, with Vince Russo in charge, that happens three times every week. At least three. I give it four. Well, three That's times five. on a slow week. Yeah, slow week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, when the WWE title doesn't change hands three times, he needs to throw something in there, you know. Yeah, you know. You need to break up the monotony of the title changing hands. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. But so that was our tribute, um, at least all the stuff we watched, our tribute to the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. And now, as we mentioned, we went through all the Hall of Fames he was inducted into, and the one uh, that most people remember was when he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And uh, let's 
play um, an audio clip from his induction. man who in life achieved greatness. A man who stood for the people and the principles of our great nation. A wrestler who wore his heart on his sleeve and a hero who fought for those who believed in the dream. The American dream. A man who has figuratively set the wrestling world on fire. Mr. Soul. Mr. Charisma. Mr. Dusty Rhodes. Looked like something instantly hit the people. They love Dusty Rhodes because he was one of the people. When I was growing up, I sure didn't think 265 pounds of blue-eyed soul would captivate a country like a hell. That was my deal with the fans. If I was winning, they were winning. Dusty Rhodes is the Dusty Rhodes was one of the greatest performers in the history of our business. The greatest sports attraction in the world today, the little plumber's son who come out of the ditch at eight years old and became so sweet. He was the, the blue collar man. The hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years, 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard times. All the things that he said, he actually felt with a passion. And that came out of him, and I think people see that. I am the hit maker, the record breaker. I have wined and dined with kings and queens, and I've slept in alleys and dined on pork and beans. He just oozed charisma. He has a career that most of us only dream about. Get a dream, hold on to it, and shoot for the sky. We are proud to induct Dusty Rhodes as a member of the 2007 WWE Hall of Fame. I knew there was an American dream out there somewhere, and I was going to go out and get it. Long live the American dream. Long live Dusty Rhodes. Amen. You know, it, it's it's kind of weird, but it's kind of hard to feel too, too sad in this situation. He did live a long, very full life. He's not, yes. a, wrestling, he's not a wrestling tragedy that he died in his 30s or 40s. You know, it still sucks to see somebody so well-known, so famous, so popular go. Lord knows this won't be our only tribute show if we last long but, you know, hopefully we don't have to do them too often. Yeah, yeah. I definitely don't want to do it too often, but, like, I didn't believe it at first. I thought it was, like, one of those Facebook. I went to WD.com, and sure enough, so. And so, like I said, we're going to be back Sunday with Money in the Bank. Uh, 
We're going to be back on Wednesday doing Starcade 1985. Just it was a hell of a show. I watched it a few years ago for a review, and you know, it, it's a fun show. If you haven't already seen it, folks, go out your way to see it. We'll be talking about it on Wednesday. Brian, do you have anything uh, else you want to say as we start to close up and start to finish up here tonight? Like you said earlier, I'm just glad it wasn't like he died because of like steroids or like your typical rest pro wrestler death, like a drug overdose mm-hmm. or something like that. So the early reports are coming out saying that he died of natural causes. Um, right now, all they know is that he fell at home late. Um, let's say Friday. I think it was like late Wednesday. He fell yeah. at home, and then Thursday, and then Thursday morning, he was pronounced dead. So. Yeah. Well, you know, we and we don't know how long it's going to take to do an autopsy. You don't even know if they're going to do it because, you know, they may decide just not do one. It's up to his wife, I guess. But, um, yeah. yeah. So we'll be back Sunday. Brian, I bought a new Ethernet cord for my Internet. So in theory, that should solve my streaming problems. I watched... Uh, WWE Network earlier this afternoon, they had the Money in the Bank Anthology DVD up on the live stream, and I watched that for almost an hour with no problem, so well, knock on good. wood. Yes. Knock on wood, it should be good now. Oh, and that text message you sent me earlier about Chapman really is uh, bitchy. I agree with you on that statement. She's a real bitch the first two episodes. Yeah, I, I, got, I finished up the three episodes. And I can't fucking believe she got back with Alex. That's that Red's gonna kill her, first of all. Let's let's be let's be straight. Red's probably gonna kill her, so we'll see. Well, spoiler alert, it's based on a true story and the real life Piper is still alive, so Red no, did, does not, not actually kill. Yeah. But if you don't know what we're talking about, Orange is the New Black, go watch it. It's on Netflix. Yes. It is not the lesbian porn that many people think it is. Yes, they do have, Yes, it is about a female prison. Yes, there is lesbian sex in it. But it's not all about the lesbian porn. So definitely a must-watch. Well, by the way, I did like that uh, what's-her-name. Um, she's pregnant, and so they've got her running around in her underwear. And she's a she, she's not a big girl, but she's thick. And to be honest, you could tell she's not pregnant when she's not wearing any clothes. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's let's be smart here, folks. Yeah. You think they would, you know, have been smart enough to not uh, show it off too much, you know? You would think, but yeah, they still got a little, they still got a little kinks to work out, but yeah. All right, so we're gonna finish things up now. And thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back Sunday, and we'll we'll be back on tenor with our normal theme music, our open, our close. But, Brian, for tonight, I don't think there's a better song to end things on. And we're going to play it first right now. And say good night to everyone, Brian. Good night. Amen.